You're listening to Man Meat Barbecue, the podcast, with your host, Mikey K. Our sponsors are Manbecue and Myron Mix and Smokers. If you don't know who Manbecue is, you better check it out. They're one of the coolest things in barbecue around. We do a meetup on the last Thursday of every single month. Let us take over your backyard. Let's see how much fun we can have. Looking for a new cooker? Look no further than the American-made Myron Mix and Smokers. Maybe you're a backyard enthusiast. Maybe you're a restaurant owner. Maybe you're looking to get into the catering game. They can accommodate it all. So make sure you go over to MyronMixAndSmokers.com and check out your next rig. And when you email them, tell them Mikey from Man Meat Barbecue sent you. So let's not waste any more time and let's get into this fucking podcast. We are heading, I guess, I guess south to Louisville tonight. Uh, we are hanging out with the Barbecue Buddha. Um, if you guys don't know who he is, you gotta go check him out on the on the on the Instagram, which uh, we all obviously pay attention to. Uh, make your life super easy. Go check out the Barbecue Buddha. It's the underscore BBQ underscore Buddha. Chris, thank you so much for coming on the show, hanging out with us again. Um, Chris has been on the show previously. It was probably about two years ago. So if you've never heard that episode, you can go back in, into the archives and find it. Um, but man, you've you've moved you've moved you've moved to Louisville. He he was in D.C. last time. Um, you've made some big moves in your life. The blog is getting bigger, right? Um, yep. Doing more videos, and then you're also, I believe, you're on the uh, Big Green Egg team, correct? That's correct. That's been a big uh, addition to uh, social media. And uh, cooking in the last six months, uh, BGE has an official uh, pro team, uh, BGE Team Green, and I get to share the stage with folks like uh, Grill Mama, Jack Arnold, uh, Chris Campbell, uh, the Green Egg Effect, and uh, Grilling with Dad, just to name a few. It's a it's a pretty good lineup of Instagram all stars, and they send us around to do events and cook and demo and all that stuff. It's a lot of fun. Very cool. Very cool. So how did that all come about? Did they approach you? What was, what was the, um, how did that kind of go up? Uh, Rob who runs, you would recognize Rob. He's the guy that does the video and, and, uh, the personality for all the big green egg, uh, events, most notably the Eggtoberfest. So if you know the guy yep. who's in, standing in front of all the people waiting to get in and he's hyping everybody up and he's got the microphone and he's interviewing people, that's Rob. He's leading the uh, the social media team for Big Green Egg and uh, he reached out to us individually to just talk about this opportunity earlier this year and work out the details. Awesome, dude. That sounds awesome. Yeah, it was rewarding because, as you know, and most of your listeners know, I've been diehard on the Big Green Egg since, you know, early 2012. And so to, you know, have been giving them free publicity for all of this time and to be recognized for that and and rewarded for it uh, from the mothership, it was cool. And it culminated just the other day. I didn't even know they were doing this. Rob asked for all of us to submit uh, a 30 second video in our favorite recipe leading up to the Super Bowl. So, you know, I went in, got my phone, uh, did my little 30 second video and then submitted a recipe. Well, two or three days before the Super Bowl on the Big Green Egg site, there's my video, there's my name, there's my recipe. And I, I mean, I, it, that was very flattering to be featured in that way, uh, but also it just drew a lot of attention to the work that I've been doing lately. So it's, again, an incredibly rewarding experience so far. That is very, very cool. Now, with the blog, you're kind of doing it a little bit differently. So you want to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, these days, especially on Instagram, and most uh, social media type stuff, it's really cutting through the noise. Uh, and I really didn't want to lose uh, what what cooking and barbecue means to me. And that's really the connection with the people and the camaraderie with everything. So when I was really thinking about how I wanted to uh, approach uh, rebranding and messaging, it's more about, hey, anybody could give you a recipe. And anybody could say, this is how you make a sauce or cook a pork butt. 
I'm not going to be the first one to do it. I'm certainly not going to be the last. So what's different? Well, for me and my personal journey, when I really felt confident cooking in any environment is when I started to recognize, hey, this is done not by temperature or time or the grilling environment, but because I could tell how it looked with the bark formation or the feel of the meat or the smell or the sound of the sizzle. There's all these cues that I've learned as a pit master that I think, you know, you have to learn as an individual. But if you had a coach that was teaching you how to grill by feel, um, that's the approach I want to take. So my tagline is grilling by feel and the video series and the blog post I'm going to start putting out will really call to attention. Here's the recipe that works for me, but these are the things you want to look for to really learn how to grill by feel. And though, I mean, that is probably one of the hardest things to teach somebody. And I, and I yep. say that because, you know, it, it's the way that I kind of talk to people when they're like, well, how do I learn this? I'm like, you'll, you'll just feel it. Right. And I totally, but how you, know, do you... It, you take that for granted. It's like, it's like, why do you feel it? Well, because I've cooked 6,000 pork butts in my life. You know what right. I mean? And it's like, I've done so many that it's like, I just know. And and, and the worst yeah. is, I kind of know when I fuck up, too. Like, I really know. It's... Like, that's the worst, is when you know that cook's not doing good. And, like, yeah. the wife will even tell me, she's like, what's wrong? And I'm like, it's just not going well. Yeah, it's, and of it's, course it was. Like, oh, it's fine. It tastes fine. You're like, I'm not going for fine. You know, yeah. I like, didn't put not... in all this time and right. Yeah. That's not me. I wasn't. Yeah, I wasn't it's... happy with fine. <laughs> yeah, and I and 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 again, that that's that's what drives me and my passion to this is my wife will watch me. I'll be really upset because I did X, Y, or Z on this certain cook, and I knew better. Uh, but instead of just shelving it and not doing it again, I mean, sometimes it'll be the very next day. I'm like, I'm going to make that dish exactly again. And I'm going to do the two things that I realize I messed up on. And, uh, that's how ultimately that's how you grill by feel. If, if there's anything I could do to my readers or, uh, you know, the viewers is to help give them the confidence. It's okay to make a mistake, but here are the things you look for to learn from that mistake. We all want to get better at this, and hey, it's not like lifting weights where it's a chore to go in and exercise to get a better body. We're all cooking great food. Even the, the mess-up still tastes pretty good to everybody eating it. So uh, it, it, there are worst hobbies or chores to have in your life. Oh, absolutely. And I will say, I mean, the hardest thing I think is when you know you hit everything and it still didn't come out properly. I, yeah. you know, I made a, um, I made a shoulder the other day and it just didn't, it didn't pull the way I wanted it to. It really didn't. Yeah. And it was like, man, I hit everything. My temp was perfect. Um, I, 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 it was a good cook. Like I, I thought I was going through a pretty good cook. And then when it got to pulling, it just, I don't know, it tightened up on me really, really badly. And it could have just been that cut of meat. It really just could have been that shoulder, you know, just didn't want to cooperate. And and that's, you know, that's, those are the things you need to learn as well. I mean, I just read the Aaron Franklin's book uh, over the holiday time. And, you know, uh, one of the things he said is, hey, you know, you're going to mess up. And when you mess up, you know, the worst case scenario is you got, you know, a brisket that isn't as good as briskets you've made in the past, but you still have a brisket. And so it's that ability to be that perfectionist, self-demanding, but still uh, able to take a deep breath and say, hey, it's all just barbecue. You know, we're not we're not solving world hunger or curing cancer with this. I we're mean, just we trying might to be. be the... You don't know that. <laughs> with this whole keto thing, we might be saving the world one brisket at a time. You know, I mean, I, I think it was Anthony Bourdain that might have said that, you know, barbecue may not be the uh... – you know, it may not be the re- or resolution to all the world's problems, but hell, it's a good place to start. <laughs> it's a great place to start. I mean, it you tell me one around. experience with, 
you you have a bad memory around a barbecue or at a barbecue and and uh and, and i just i don't know who who could share a story like that it's true i mean it's so, like you always have those great those great memories yeah and uh i mean that's that binds me my going when i was uh, a kid uh, my grandparents lived down in Norfolk, Virginia, and we lived outside of D.C. and uh, right up in northern Virginia. And driving down to Norfolk, Virginia, we'd always stop at this place that's still there, Pierce's Pit Barbecue, which is right near in between Williamsburg and Norfolk. And, uh, you know, my dad would always get this pulled pork sandwich and nice cold Dr. Pepper. And, you know, that's my my memories are in are strongly rooted to that barbecue feeling way back then. And, and you know, that's all I'm trying to do with my food is give people the similar similar experience that they can root to some point in their life. You know, I said it, I said it to a couple of my friends today. They're like, man, they're like, you know, what is it about barbecue that drives you? And I'm like, you know, I just enjoy watching people enjoy my food yeah and it's hard to explain that feeling if you've never had yeah it's hard to explain it yep And, and especially with barbecue because barbecue isn't you know hey i'm gonna make a great sandwich you know uh, even that great one of the world's greatest food scenes in a movie in Spanglish where uh, Adam Sandler was making that egg sandwich that was like the original food porn. Even that's just an egg sandwich. You know, for you to cook a brisket that took 10 hours or a pork, sh- a pork shoulder that took eight hours or whatever it is, you know, you're using your own rub or your own sauce or some iteration of all of those components. Yep. It's a labor of love that then extends to people and to watch their face light up that way. It's, uh, it's, it's the kind of magic that, uh, you wish everybody could have that experience. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I, I mean, and it, it, like you said, you, you spend so much time doing these things. I mean, you spend, hours upon hours doing these things and people don't necessarily understand that you know what i mean they're like what do you mean you 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 started this at two in the morning right you said you wanted to eat by three so i started at two you know what i mean like i was thinking about what you were eating for dinner before you were awake Right. Yeah. Like really thinking about what we were eating for dinner before you were awake. So yeah, yeah, it's a, it's, it's a commitment, but again, it's, it's one of those things, the few barbecue competitions that I've helped other teams compete at. I mean, even in a highly competitive environment, the brotherhood amongst all the people cooking and competing and stuff, it's, it's so there. It's, it's like a tailgate that just travels to all these different towns and you're eating great barbecue. So, I mean, uh, the, the people, the life, the food, the, the, the enjoyment, it's, uh, it's second to none. And it's, and it's time tested. It's recession proof. There will be food fads that come and go. Barbecue will be the one constant that is always here. Now, now, let me ask you this because I want to I, I want to dive into that with you because you kind of just said that. I mean, I think barbecue is kind of it, it's go it's in an up peak. I, I will say that it, it, it's much much. I think it's much higher in people's minds than it has been in the past. I'll, I'll say it that way. And and I think a lot of it has to do with Instagram. A lot of people like to like to look at those photos, like to look look at all that stuff. And there's a lot of you know people that are looking for for barbecue right now, where you know you had those barbecue restaurants, but they weren't quite as big. And I think more and more are starting to pop up. What would you say is? Do you think there's going to be you know a different? fad coming up after that or what do you what do you think it is well i certainly think that barbecue uh can become fatty for with two d's not two a two t's that would of course it's fatty but it, it fat ish 
in the sense that people are going to try to do other things with it, right? And I have some really good ideas that I want to try to make some fad um, uh, barbecue-type things. But I think the staples, you know, brisket, Texas-style, pulled pork, all that stuff, uh, when the trend and the recent exposure with uh, the Pitmasters and Tuffy Stone and, and Matt Pittman, all these folks that are really getting the fame in the barbecue world now ebb, you're still just going to have classic barbecue. Yet you had your cadre of the original barbecue barbecue troubadours in the late '90s, early 2000s on all the big green egg forms and the boards. Um, and, you know, and it it keeps the the industry keeps reinventing itself. I also think the times have changed. I mean, when we were growing up, everybody was dinking around with their cars, right? So as you, everybody would talk about cars. Oh, what have I done with my car? Da, 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 da. You know, that was the big thing that was uh, something you could do at home that took you away or made you escape the daily drudgery of your work or your routine. And then as the 90s and the 2000s came in, personal computers, hey, I've done this to my computer, I've done that to my computer, I've built my computer, I have this, I have that. Uh, and that sort of became this sort of thing, and games became a thing. I think barbecue and Instagram, where everybody's able to trick out their Big Green Egg or their Traeger or their Kamado Joes or whatever their environment is at home and say, hey, look at this unique and cool thing that I've done is just another uh, way people are escaping uh, their yet otherwise ho-hum lives when they're not doing that stuff. I, so, well, I, think, I think a big part of it is, I think Instagram um, made food a little cooler. I, and I'm not saying it made it cool in general because I think that food was already on that upward slope. Um, in the '90s, when you know cooking channels started really taking off, you had, you know you had shows with Anthony Bourdain on it. You had shows with you know um, you had like you know Iron Chef and all that kind of stuff that was really starting to starting to get popular and starting to bring chefs out of the kitchen and in into the limelight. You know what I mean? And um, and, and it's and it's still big. I mean, there's still tons of Shows on the on the you know on the Food Network, uh, Cooking Channel, and all that stuff. But I feel like Cooking Channel and Food Network shows aren't quite as big anymore. I feel like the TV shows aren't like people don't they still pay attention to them in mass. Don't get me wrong, but I think people are starting to look at alternative stuff like Instagram and Facebook and food groups in, in that sense of hey man, what's my peer cooking? In California, what's my buddy cooking in, you know, Cincinnati? What's my buddy cooking in New York City? What are they cooking down in Florida? Okay, cool. How do I take what I'm cooking and mix it with what they're cooking and kind of fusion it? I think that's one of the big things that's happening right now. And I think that's going to be a big thing for barbecue. I think barbecue is going to become, I think it's going to become fusion based. Yeah. Well, it's a, it, it's a, it, it's a great, a great vehicle for that because the, the, the basics are so, uh, compatible with variants, you know, the, the Vietnamese, you know, me and, and my previous cooks, in fact, uh, I still do a lot of this Asian influence in my cuisine, a lot of Korean, a lot of Vietnamese, Thai type of influence in the barbecue, but that's really what the sauce is. The preparation for me mostly is still all the same. Uh, but you know, there's a book I read, uh, buttermilk graffiti, uh, by, uh, Ed Lee, who's a famous chef from, he was on, uh, top chef and he's from Louisville, uh, and has several restaurants around the country now. But one thing he said in his book that really grabbed me is that he hates the term fusion food, especially when it's used in the United States, because the United States is all really made up of immigrants and different, uh, different uh, backgrounds of ethnicity and styles of cooking. And so to, to him, 
what we consider fusion food is really American food because American food is the melting pot of all these different influences from around the world. And, you know, I know it's a, 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 a kitschy way to sort of describe it, but it's really made me think. And it, and, and it even further removes the boundaries that sometimes I feel as a creative person or a cook or a chef to say, ah, I can't do that because that doesn't go together. And you're like, what the hell? I'm going to, I'm going to try these two things. What's the worst thing that could happen? It won't taste good. I won't make that again. You know, absolutely. And, and I, I kind of agree with that in the, in the sense of like fusion food. Yes. Uh, you know, America is a huge melting pot. And, um, I, I, I had this discussion with somebody the other day, you know, someone's like, do, do they call it Chinese food in China? I'm like, no, I think they just call it food. <laughs> like, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you don't go to, like, right. France and you're like, I really want French food. Right. Most people here call it food. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's it's so true. There, well, if you've ever seen uh, Finding General So, it's a Netflix documentary. I have and not. And it's, you know... Oh my God, you've got to watch it. If you love food programming, which I'd have to imagine you do, I do. it's I'm one of the most compelling. It, it, it is great because essentially the premise of the show, and I won't dive too much deep into here because I don't want the attention to stray away from barbecue, but the, 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 the gist of the movie is there is no such thing as a dish in China called General So's chicken. It totally doesn't exist. So yeah, orange chicken doesn't the, either, guys. Right. So why does every Chinese food restaurant in all of America have General So's chicken? So that's the premise and the and the the creative people of the movie go out in search of why why that is so. And it's fascinating. It really is a compelling documentary. And you learn a lot about what we were just talking about. Bringing food to America and Americanizing, you know, other cultural uh, food elements until you turn it into your own. Well, I mean, I think we do that a lot. I think it's because a lot of, um, a lot of our, a lot of American food isn't exactly flavorful. They're the, the flavor profiles in a lot of American food and a lot of stuff like that. Um, it's just not, it's not quite as robust as, as, as a lot of the uh, other cultures' foods are. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Well, most other cultures' foods that we've come to know and love, much like barbecue, is the food of the poor people, the workers, right? I mean, you know, polenta, pasta, the vegetables, uh, you know, tripe, all, all of these types of ingredients that we look as really high-end, you know, uh, uh, ethnic style components of dishes really were what the workers ate, you know, after a long day in the fields or in the factories, because that was the cheap commoditized food that the working class could eat. I mean, like, look at, like you, like you're saying, I mean, look, I've said this in podcasts before, look at French food. I mean, most high end French food is made from peasant dishes. Yep. So like, that's what it is. That's exactly what it is. So it's really starting to, 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 and again, that's just another thing that removes boundaries for me and allows you to be creative and think, you know, what type of inexpensive component, uh, am I overlooking or, you know, uh, I, I'll give you a prime example. I was eating a turnip last week and I can't even remember the last time I had a turnip and I put it in my, uh, I was making a pot roast. And so I substituted potatoes for turnips because I'm trying to, you know, get the extra pounds from the holidays off. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to eat lower carb stuff. And I'm starting to work with these turnips and eating the turnips. And I'm like, God, you know, they, they taste like a turnip, but they sort of taste like a potato and they work like a potato. And then I start thinking, well, man, what if I made like mashed turnips? I haven't here seen anybody do mashed turnips. You see mashed cauliflower. Or what if I do like scalloped turnips, like with the potatoes, but instead of potatoes with the turnips, I'm going to try all of this stuff soon. I'm probably going to find out that it doesn't work. And that's why you've never heard of it before. <laughs> but if all of a sudden you see like people going turnip crazy, it's because the barbecue Buddha came up with the whole turnip revolution and, and they're the hearing it first. Yeah. And I mean, no, that's awesome. <laughs> I mean, I don't know, I, man, I've done some crazy stuff 
and I, I, I'm all about like experimenting on the cooker. And then it's like, I start seeing people like doing it. And I'm like, did I, did I, did somebody else make that up at the same time that I did? Like, I almost want to be like, uh, it was probably one of the early adapters of that. Yeah. And, and it's just like with any other idea, I'm sure that I don't sit alone with this, but every time I'm like, that is the best business idea. I'm going to come up, and the first thing you do is you search Google, thinking no one's ever come up with this before. And sure enough, not only has someone else come up with it before, but there's a thriving business or there's a bunch of different versions of it out there. Um, so cooking is the same thing. And you read that about all the great chefs, or at least the, the famous chefs, is you know finding that home-run dish that makes everybody talk about you or puts you on the map is uh, mostly serendipitous. It's the, Sometimes it's just a mistake or they make something that they didn't intend to put on their menu and then it went out as a special and it just blew up. And it's the same with trying to come up. It, it, we were just talking about on Instagram. It used to be we're like, ah, oh, I'm looking at what everybody's doing. And every now and again, you'd see this really crazy thing. You know, I remember when reverse sear came up. It's, oh, my God, what's reverse sear? We got a reverse sear. And and and, and now you're, you're you're seeing less frequent brand new ideas, which is, I think, is OK. Um, but you're seeing people really refine and hone their craft, which I think is great. And so, um you know, I really, uh, I, I like the way things have evolved and changed. Uh, change is good and change makes everybody grow and, and get healthy, uh, with their ideas. So I'm all for it. I think the hardest thing that you're starting to see with people is you, I think it groups into two different categories, right? Um, you're starting to see the people that are trying to push the envelope, right? So we're all doing crazy shit and trying to figure out if turnips fucking will work. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Those turnips will work. So there's still Uh, some of us that are pushing those boundaries. And then I feel like there's people that are just kind of trying to almost be lazy. And that's what I'll say is there's people that are definitely trying to be lazy out there in cooking. Yeah, and, or even lazy in the 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 vehicle from which they're participating in, which is uh, photography or yep. video. I mean, I remember I look back at some of my older pictures that I did when I was first on Instagram, and I'm like, "Holy cow, what was I thinking?" It was like I was four feet away, and I took a picture of steak. You can't tell if that's a steak or a sock on my plate. I mean, I don't even know what I was thinking, and so. The lazy element comes in in what folks are cooking, but a lot of times it's the lazy element comes in. They're they're not even attempting to figure out what makes a good photo or what makes good composition or or does that look edible? Is it even worthwhile putting out there for people to see? I don't care if it's a steak. I've seen a steak a gazillion times, but man, if they put it out there and that steak makes me want to take a bite, I'll stop and take a look and give them a like or a comment. It's it's the subtleties of what people are doing or not doing that I wish more people would pay attention to. And I think that's really difficult. Um, uh, the food photography obviously is an aspect that I always struggle with. It's something that I'm always trying to get better at, always trying to make, trying to do better. Oh, it, it, it's, I think it's a constant struggle for those of us who are psychotic and perfectionists. Mm-hmm. So to me, it's well, like... Well, I mean... I- the, the recent example for me is I cooked a bunch of stuff on, for Super Bowl, and one of the dishes that I cooked, I was it was highly composed because I was taking the opportunity to do my first blog post on the new, an updated and improved V Barbecue Buddha site. So I was I really like went overboard with like uh, you know uh, food uh, you know composition and just the whole staging and making the picture look great and it's a beautiful picture it's a, it just really is I love this picture it took of these Korean glazed chicken wings I did and you know it got you know your typical you know like pattern that I get on most of my other pictures but then later that night on just a lark my wife wanted. Uh, something with seafood in. So I made these prosciutto wrapped salmon bites where I mean, it couldn't have been easier. I just cut the little salmon into squares, 
I wrapped it with prosciutto. I seared them off in a cast iron pan with a little bit of butter. So they got the nice sear marks or the, you know, the, the caramelization yep. on the outside of the prosciutto. I put it on a plate. I didn't even use a good light. I didn't even try to do. I just took a picture on my iPhone and posted it the next morning. And that thing went ballistic. <laughs> I'm like, what the hell? You just never know what people are going to gravitate towards. You know, it you is kind of crazy. Like, there's times where I'm like, oh, this is going to be a great photograph. Here we go. Like, I really hope, you know, you know, you think it, you did, you, you're, you're happy with it. You, you did a good job and you're really like stoked on yourself. And then you post it and you're like, man, that lacked luster. And then you post yeah. something like that where you're like, oh, this is okay, but it was good. And you post it and it's like, Boom, blows up, and you're like, what the, how did that happen? Right. Like. Yeah. Well, Anthony Bourdain, you referenced him earlier in one of his famous quotes, and I'm not going to get it verbatim, but he said, you know, Instagram's a weird thing. He posted a picture one time with him, the Dalai Lama, and President Obama. And he got like a thousand likes. And then like later that day, he posted a picture of him eating like an In-N-Out burger and got like 150,000 likes. He yeah, said, he's like, just, what the fuck? You know, he's like, what the F, you know, what, what, you know, what, what, so, uh, yeah, it, it, you got to learn. It's true. It's definitely, it's, it's definitely weird. It's the ones that you don't think that are going to get a ton of likes are, are blowing it up. And then the ones that you think you did it, you, you know, you knocked it out of the park and you're like, Oh, okay. <laughs> exactly. It's crazy. Made and this, I think, you know, made like this a humbling experience to what we were talking about with food, you know, earlier, you sit there and you overthink this recipe, oh, this recipe, I nailed it. This recipe is going to be good. And people are like, yeah, yeah. And then you do something without thinking. And I think it's, it's a part of just the thing that makes us good at what we do because we have that ability to just sort of turn the brain off and let the passion take over sometimes. And uh, it may not be perfect. It may not be beautiful. It may not be repeatable, but sometimes you could just kill something and it's really good. And that's I mean, I will, with say, any- I will say that um, when I go on autopilot in my cooks, and I turn my brain off, and I just cook. I get the best results. I really do. Oh yeah. Um, I don't overthink things. I don't, you know. I don't freak out. It's just it works. And it. I don't know. Maybe I'm just you know. I don't know what it is, but when it when I just you know when I turn the brain off kind of type thing and it's like I'm just cooking and I'm on autopilot I mean that's usually the best the best cooks the food comes out the best everything comes out the best and I know that like some people are like no you got to be thinking you got to be thinking what you're doing this I'm like no I get like I'm still doing that but I just I go on autopilot I know you know I know the cooker's going to react like this if I do this to it and and the cook's going to react it's going to do this if I do that, you know, X, Y, and Z. And it just, I just cook and just go. Yep. And that's, I mean, it, it, you know, to bring it around to the top of the conversation, that's what the whole grilling by field premise is. You yeah. know, I, I don't, by any illusion, uh, think that I'm such a great teacher or writer where people are going to get it on the first try. Um, but I'm going to get better at teaching and conveying that. And that's the path that I want to take. And I want people to feel confident that that's the path that they could take to just maybe, you know, like the old Star Wars, you know, Luke, don't use your, you know, <laughs> don't use your hood, you know, put on your blinders or whatever it was and just use the force. It's, it's the same with any sort of creative thing, you know, um, stop freaking out about what the temperature gauge says or, you know, if it's raised or indirect or this, that, or the other, you know, get comfortable enough with the environment where you're really grilling by feel, you're cooking by feel, you're, you're learning how to use your senses in yeah. order to make the best decisions in real time. And stop, and that's asking, the magic if, uh, stop asking if it's fat side up or down. Stop, yeah. Learn why that's a question. 
learn why that's an important question and make the decision for yourself. And, and, and also try it 10 times the fat side down and the fat side up, make your own opinion, do them side by side, do a taste test. I mean, it's, uh, you know, the, um, the, the 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 religiousness of the way people approach barbecue. I, I always tell everybody, "Hey, this is the way I do it." But and this is why I do it. But I could very easily be convinced to do it a different way. This is just the way I learn, and this is the way I produce good result, and this is the way I do it. It's sort of superstitious, so leave me alone. You it's know, not religion where I'm telling other people this is the way they should be doing it. I don't uh, think there's because, a I, see. I just don't think there's an answer to that question. Yeah, well, it also depends on your environment. Are yeah. you cooking with the heat source at the bottom? Are you yep. cooking with the heat source offset? Are you cooking in a, a highly, uh, you know, uh, human environment? Are you not? I mean, there's there's so many factors that go into that. You know, the fat cap on a brisket could braise your brisket if you're in an offset environment, but could act as a heat insulator if you're if you're cooking like in a big green egg environment, for yep. instance. I always put the fat side down. I, I've done it with the fat side up and the brisket relatively tastes the same. But I like to think that because the heat source is coming from the bottom, I'm using the fat as an extra barrier. I've put thought into it. It isn't somebody has given me their religion. You have to put it the fat side down. Yep. I've just sort of learned, learned by using my own intuition. And that's the way I want people to learn from me. And I think, I think that's a great way to learn. I think, um, People forget that to you know to master the craft, you got to put the hours. In. You have to. Yep. You got. Yep. You gotta stand behind that smoker, and you gotta you gotta do the cooks. Now, does that mean that you'll mess up a cook every now and then, even after you've mastered it? Yeah, absolutely, it does. Um, sometimes you're just not on your game. Some days you're just you're just not. It's just you're. It didn't. It didn't come out today. You either rushed yeah. it or something. You know, there was some little glitch in the system. But I think a lot of people are trying to get from A to Z, but they don't want to be. You know, they don't want to be. A, they don't ever want to go to B. They don't ever want to go to C and D, and and you know all the other. You, they never want to hit any of the other letters, but they want to get to Z. Yeah, and that that that. You can't do. You can't do that with any anything that's worth a darn in life. You know, if you want to get better at guitar, I read this article recently, and and it was just a short little thing. But the musician was like, everybody's always coming up to me like, God, you're so talented. You know, you've been given this God given gift. You're so great. He's like, No, I I just practice all the time. I'm always practicing. I practice, practice practice you don't see all that stuff you just see me perform but trust me in the background i'm practicing all the time there's no uh there's nothing natural about this it's all been practiced and and the same could be said exactly for food well i mean i, mean, I think i think a lot of it too is like that it, it, like the musician thing's a really good explanation for it is man it's like all of a sudden boom this musician hits you know, hits the scene and it's like, oh my God, you weren't famous yesterday, but you're famous today. Did you just start playing yesterday? It's like, no, I didn't just start playing yesterday. This isn't like, it wasn't just an overnight success that doesn't happen. These people right. put in hours of hours of hours of unpaid work. I think right. that's the hardest and, thing that most people don't understand. Yeah, it's, I mean, you know, I love telling this to, to people. I'm trying to teach mostly my children. I'm trying to teach lessons too, but the story of Colonel Sanders, that guy was retired. And at the time there wasn't a big retirement income and he was like, I need to make money and I can't really go get a job. And, you know, what, what do I do? a psychopath. Yeah, that too. But but I'm going to tell the fairy tale version of the story. And, and and he had this family recipe. Well, he was offered a bunch of times to just buy the recipe because it was pretty darn good fried chicken. But he didn't want to do that. He had a model. He he wanted to sell the recipe to the restaurants. 
and they get a percentage of the sales. And so he drove around the country in that white suit in a car, lived out of his car, and he heard like well over a thousand no's until he got to his first yes. So, you know, again, like any art, if you, you know, you could be the best barbecue person in the whole world. Uh, but just because you're not in eater or thrillist or the biggest thing on Instagram or what have you doesn't mean you're not successful. It just means that you haven't, you haven't gotten there yet. So you just got to keep at it. You got to keep at the craft. Post your own damn you photos. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I know. That's a big thing. It's a big Don't one. Buy your, don't buy your followers. Don't buy your damn followers. Um, don't believe everything somebody tells you. Uh, <laughs> I feel like we're, we're teaching children now. I do, well, hey, there's a whole new generation out there, Mikey. They got to learn. They get Somebody's got to learn, right? They got to learn, learn somehow. And, it, you know, it, it is those things that, like, doing doing what we have did in, in, in the sense of I've been – I mean, I've been cooking for a very long time, and it's, it's like I'm finally getting to the place in my cooking where I feel comfortable – sharing more in the sense of like I'm comfortable enough in my cooking to where I can feed people. I'm still totally nervous about feeding people. Guys, I own a catering company. I do it. I feed people. We do pop-ups. We do all that kind of stuff. But that it, there's still that nerve, and I think it'll always be that nerve, and I think all great chefs keep that forever, is that nerve of Will that person like my food? Um, yep. And that's what keeps a lot of great chefs great chefs. You know what I mean? I, I feel like the minute you're like, oh, I, I yeah, I know my food's amazing. Like, my food's so good. Like, when you can say that to somebody, it's like, man, what are you striving for then? Right. Yep. Where's the next that's exactly step? it. I feel like you already got there, so so you gotta look gotta look further, right? Yeah, you gotta you, you gotta keep you can't rest on your laurels. I mean, it, it happens so many times. People expand themselves too fast, or they don't they don't pay attention to quality because they drink on their own success. I mean, to a certain extent, my dad he was a restaurant tour. God rest his soul. Uh, had three restaurants at the time, and but you know, as soon as he started to expand and really grow past his original restaurant, which was such a great success, he sort of lost that little bit of magic, and that's always a lesson that's always uh, stayed with me to this day. Is you know, when 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 you got magic in a bottle, enjoy it, uh, enjoy the ride, go for it, and you know, don't overextend yourself. Focus on quality. Focus on service, and the rest will solve itself. And I, and I firmly believe that. I, I definitely do believe that. Like, if, if you if you just kind of just do what you possibly can, you, you you'll get there. You know what I mean? Yep. You really will. And and that's kind of been my game plan. We were talking about this uh, before we started to record, but you know, my wife and I had uh, had a plan. You know, three or four years ago when this really started taking off for me and the plan was to get to her hometown, now my hometown, Louisville, Kentucky, uh, get really out of the rat race of Washington, D.C. area and get to a point where we're living on one salary. And I just had the uh, fortunate after 20 years at the company I helped start back in the early 2000s. I retired last week. Yay me. And, Good for uh, you. And now, and now I'm I'm putting you know I've got a I've got a year game plan to really put the heavy push on this and start the pop ups the the catering and you know hope that it will land in some sort of brick and mortar in a way but I don't want to start there because then that locks you into one thing I want to keep doing you know a little bit of this a little bit of that and getting great at all of it until it, it culminates in in one thing and and that's why I'm really happy that uh, you and I plan this time to talk to each other because it's a really exciting time for me and my wife and the business. I think that I think that's a very cool um it's a very 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 cool what you're doing. I also I love the um the and, and I want to say it's a new logo, but it kind of is. It's kind of a rebranded logo, right? Um Yeah. And I I 
really, I really, really like it. I really dig it. Um, I, I just, I, I'm kind of a nerd for it. I really like, <laughs> really, I'm really just digging on it. You know what I mean? Like, well, I, I, I like, uh, I, I like the logo. A lot of hard work went into that, and I appreciate that. I found somebody, uh, <laughs> which is sort of a funny story. I'll give the elevator pitch, but I, I like another food blogger in the barbecue world, um, Susie Bullock from Hey Grill Hey. I just like her work ethic and the Very type cool of product check. she puts out. So I think she she just does such a great job. And I reached out to her and I was like, hey, who did your website? So she introduced me to uh, this person, Cass, who owns her own company, and it's called The Girl Brand. And and I'm proud to say that Chris Sussman and the Barbecue Buddha was the first male website and the male customer that The Girl Brand had. But I really loved her design and her focus on branding so it wasn't just like hey i'm a web designer and let's take a look at your content and do this but the process that she walked me through in order to think through my brand my messaging and ultimately the way i was going to display that to the world was second to none and so to hear you say that you love the logo and people give me so much positive about the site you know i'm the guts behind it but she really was the creative force that helped me put that whole vision together um, so if anybody's looking to do the same thing, look for the girl brand and reach out to Cass and tell her I sent you um, because she does great work. And I sent your sticker in the mail today. I actually Woo! physically wrote, wrote you a, a thank you note and placed oh, the stamp a, on the envelope look myself. Gentle, so. Look at that gentleman. Yeah. <laughs> you know my handwriting isn't the best so it may be offensive but uh if you I mean, need help a, decoding what it said yeah it's definitely offensive because you wrote it <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's pretty funny no but so you, uh you're doing you're doing some good stuff your your stuff's coming you're you really are like like i said you're it, it's really going good and and i think the website does look awesome she it's very clean um and I'm I'm a sucker for that. You know what I mean? I, as much as I love the the crazy kind of graffiti type stuff, uh, you know, like tons of stuff, tons of cl- not clutter because I don't want to use that word, but you know, a lot of movement, a lot of whatever. I just love the simplicity and cleanness. Well, like, I appreciate those are that. that I do and that fall in love with. And, and that was a, a big thing for her because at first, you know, she she has this really cool uh, thing with her process where she had me kind of like uh, go on Pinterest and just pick out random images. They could be a barbecue, but they could be of little dogs. You know, she said just anything that's interests you and create a board for me. So I did that. And her process is to take all those images and kind of say, ah, this is the vibe that this person is going for, which really helps her create like the mood boards and the fonts and the, and the sort of the stylistic approach that she's going to take to creating the site. So when we went through all of that, the output, uh, you know, obviously is just so clean and focuses on the pictures and the content and not on all the, you know, I'm, I have to have ads in there because I just want to have enough of the advertisement in there to be able to pay for the site hosting and all that stuff, but I'm never going to be one of those sites where you, you know, click on the blog to get a recipe and you get 52 pop-ups asking you to submit this or sign up for that or to do this or to do that. Because it's, you know, if, if I was looking to continue to make a, a boatload of money, I wouldn't have left the professional career that I had. This is a passion. And I believe that building on the passion, everything else will, will fall into place. Yeah. Absolutely. And that includes, Yeah. Yeah. And so think, that's it. I think that's one of the hard things that you you um, sometimes we struggle with, right? Getting that balance. The balance is hard. The oh. balance is hard. You know, I mean, and I and I'm lucky that I have two beautiful grown children. Um, you know, I did my time. I started when I was a very young man, and uh, you know, my daughter's 26, and my my son's 24. And they're both happy with jobs and all that stuff. But, you know, I, I don't know how some of you all do it. You have a new addition to your life. I think you had the baby. You and your wife had a we baby. Did. Yeah, uh, we did. Congratulations. I, you know, I don't 
you know, I have a difficult time chasing my dogs around trying to, you know, pick up their poop in the background and work and do the blogging and do the cooking and all the other stuff that comes in life. Um, I don't know how uh, some of you with the young children do it. And it makes me just even that much more impressed. It's a, it's a lifestyle, it's a commitment, and it's a brotherhood, and all of those things are, are wonderful things. I think that's what that's what really, you know, drives a lot of us to it is, is the the light the the commitment, the lifestyle, and the brotherhood. Like you just said, it, it's that brotherhood part of it. I think that's like we're we're looking for that part, like having that part, and and it, it helps in your life. You know what I mean? It just it um. It just, I don't know. It's just, it, you you have to have it. You know what I yeah, mean? Like, to I me, mean, like, that's where it is. It's like, I have to have it. I just keep it, going it, and I have to have that. Yeah, and it's, you know, and that's the beautiful thing about it. we've We've lost touch as to why social media, it's been so demonized in the last couple of years, but why social media was a big thing and why it still is a big thing. It's that community. If you dispense with all the political BS and all the crap that really doesn't matter and you're connecting with people like the two of us, I mean, we've never met in person, yet you Correct. are a friend of mine. That yep. That's a pretty cool thing. But and and see, we I think... each have a lo- long list of people that fit that description. I think that's a really magical thing and something that shouldn't get lost. But I think I think the 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 hard part for some people is they can't transition from social media to actual friendship. You know what yeah. I mean? Like I've met people that I've gone out and met people that I've, I've been friends with on social media and I, I meet these people and I become actual like real life friends with them, right? Like in real life. Um, yeah. And I think a lot of people have this hard thing where they can't get off social media or actually go see somebody off social media because they don't know how to portray who they are on social media in real life. You know what I mean? So many people hide behind the camera. It's so funny when people like talk to me, they're like, Oh man, look at this person's life. It's so great. They're like, no, no, no. It's so great of what you see. You know what I mean? You don't know yep. what the, those people are really going through or what the, well, you yep. know, what their life is. Like they, they show you 10% of their real life. And yeah. I'm all about like real life. Let, let's go chat. Like you and me could go have a beer and we'd be, we'd probably be chatting about the exact same stuff we're doing right now. And that's where like, the <laughs> real was, connection comes out. Yeah. Yep. I mean, exactly. And that to me is, uh, you know, I got the handle, the barbecue Buddha back in 2015, just simply because I knew I wanted to turn this into a business and a blog and, Chris Sussman just didn't sound as sexy as a, as a, as a cool name, but I've never wanted to create a persona or an image that wasn't me. So everybody that follows me or looks at my stories or just knows you as knows a barbecue me. Buddha. And, and, but also knows me as me. If you meet me in real life, I'm going to be the same goof that I come across yeah. in, in all of my posts and stuff. Cause that's just me. But, uh, uh, but I totally get it. I mean, I've been with some other social media people or bloggers and all that kind of stuff. And the problem is you get around them and you don't have an opportunity to make a relationship because everybody's on their phones doing the stuff that, that they did to get themselves there. So, um, well, you know, the th- funny that thing is I, so I went to a dinner, a social media dinner, I, <laughs> the worst fucking night of my life. Um, so I, we show up, right. We show up to this restaurant. Um, uh, and I won't, I won't name the restaurant that it is just because I don't want, I don't want to talk bad about them, but the food was garbage. I just want to say that, um, the person who set this up basically just kind of, I think just fucking looked for anybody that was willing to come to this thing. And it was a barbecue restaurant, so uh, I think I, like when they reached out to me, I'm like, oh, they're reaching out to me because of, I'm a barbecue guy, right? Yep. That's why they're reaching out to me. They reached out to people that had no idea about anything. Oh. Like one girl showed up and they were like, she was like, oh, I don't eat pork. <laughs> and a barbecue thing. <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh. Okay, why are you here? 
And, like, they're all talking about, like, how they do this, they do that on Instagram, and they do this to get more likes, and they're doing this, and they're in this group, focus group, and this focus group on Instagram, blah, 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 and all this. And and then they kind of, like, looked at me, and, like, we started talking just, like, a little bit. I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm like, I, I, I do a lot of barbecue, and I do a podcast, and whatever, and... And don't get me wrong, I'm the worst person at, like, tooting my own horn. Like, I'm not that person. I don't, I just don't sit there and I'm like, oh, let me tell you what I, like, let me tell you everything how cool I am about my Instagram. Like, it, it's, I get yelled at by people because people will be like, oh, you have a you have a food Instagram? You have a barbecue Instagram? I'm like, yeah, I kind of have a barbecue Instagram. It's this, if you, if you want to check it out, it's, it's whatever. And then, like, they'll go and they're like, what do you mean it's whatever? This is, like, a legit thing. And it's like, yeah, yeah, but I don't want you to think of me that way. You know what I mean? Like, we're meeting in real life. I want you to meet me. I don't want you to go and be like, oh, my God. You know what I mean? You're a personality, yeah. Exactly. Because then that's when you start drinking your own Kool-Aid. And it's, it's, you know. Right. And it's like, but these these people were like totally drinking their own Kool Aid, and they're like, oh, I I use this so I can get free food here, and this so I can get free food there. They're like, what do you do? I'm like, I do none of that. Right. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm like, I literally do none of that. And they're like, well, why not? And I'm like, because I just don't think it's right. Like, why are you why are you trying to do this? You know? And I'm they're like. Oh, cause, cause that's what it's for. And I'm like, since I, I mean, I've met some of the coolest people I've ever met through Instagram because I wanted to have like a true connection with these people, not because I wanted them to like, be like, Oh my God, you're like the coolest guy in the world. It was just like, Hey, we had a good connection. Like, you know what I mean? Like right. one of, one of, one of my good friends, I talked to him every single day. I met him through barbecue on Instagram. Right. And it's just like it, it, we we never meant for it to be like creepy or weird. It was just hey, you barbecue, I barbecue. Now we like talk about our kids. You know what I mean? And it's like we talk like every day, and it's it's just it's the bromance through barbecue. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. we like brought it to like you know what I mean? Like it, it, like you can build real relationships. And I think some people just don't don't build relationships anymore on it. They just try to build a business in and show people that they're so amazing. I, I guess but it's it's some of it I don't even see that – like I'm actually trying to build a business. You've talked about on this call. You're actually trying to build a business. Like I actually want to go out there and meet people – and do cooking lessons and do catering and do classes yeah. and, and sell sell my food. What I'm seeing now is people just want to get to the 100,000 followers and then get free stuff. You know, hey, I've partnered with this. And I, and I certainly do my fair share of ambassador programs. But I work with, I work with the people I want to work with. I work with the products that I already use or that I want to use or yeah. that I like to represent. And I don't do it just to get free stuff because then you just become an elephant graveyard of free stuff. It's all well, disposable. I'm using and, this and, now. You get your three posts. Now I'm, I'm doing the next thing. And I mean, I'm that person that's like, people are like, oh, can I send you this? I'm like, no. Right. <laughs> if, no. no way. Or like, right. yeah, if you want to send it, sure. And well, can I get a post out of it? Maybe. Maybe if I like right. it. If I if I if I like your shit, I'm gonna post about it, bro. I just am. You know what I mean? Like I I just I'm gonna do it. And I think I think the whole like and shit, you don't even need a hundred thousand followers anymore to get to start doing that. How many I've seen so many ambassadors that have three thousand followers. I'm like, how are you an ambassador? How how, okay. how is that even possible? Right, it's silly. Like, what are these companies thinking? And I, I, I just think what it is is um, there's such a big land grab right now that they just don't know what to do. And, like, I just got I just got off the phone with um, this lady who's like, hey, you know, we're really interested in working with you guys. And her email was very, very vague. And, like, my, my email back was, 
I need way more details before I can tell you anything. Whether I'm open to work with you or not, I need a lot more details. And she's like, well, we can't give you too many more details. We really need more details from you before we, and I go, well, then obviously I'm not the client for you. And she kind of like took offense to that. And I'm like, I'm like, don't take offense. Don't get, don't, you know, don't get it twisted. I'm not trying to be a dick, but it's also like, I'm not going to team up with somebody who I don't agree with. And I don't think is like the best things for my, for, for my audience or my followers to see just like there, I would never tell anyone. I would never endorse a product that I didn't use myself or that I didn't believe in. Right. And I think other than that, that, then you just become, you, you, lack of a better word, you just become a, a, a lady of the night. I mean, you're yeah. essentially just set. Because all of these brands, I mean, you're like, whoa, I just got a $2,000 grill. That's like nothing for their marketing. I mean, Traeger is exploded because of their marketing, right? Their their ability to outmarket all of their competitors is second to none. Um, so, I mean, for these companies with big marketing budgets and their social media, you know, interns that are reaching out to people like you and me, can you do this? Can you do that? You, you just need to think really wisely before you do that because it's a slippery slope. You know, yeah. it's not. I think it's that's not the biggest thing. Is into it's, real revenue. It's a very big slippery slope and what you do and what you allow people to see you do. That's a big slippery slope, like, to me. And how you let people perceive you is how they're going to treat you. Right. Or or take you seriously. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I mean, if 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 I really want somebody to use something that I'm using, then then I'm not going to be constantly using a bunch of different stuff because no one's ever going to know whether to believe me or trust me. It's just like, you know, I'm just Shecky, the, the salesman out there hawking any product that anybody wants to. Well, I mean, I think you know. there's, there's a, a big part of that. If you look on Instagram, a lot of people that are, you know, oh, today I'm using this cooker. Tomorrow I'm using that cooker. Today I'm using that one. Oh, you should go buy this one. This one's amazing. This is the best thing I've yep. ever used. Um, I would never use anything else besides this one, but tomorrow I'm going to use X, Y, Z tomorrow. And it's like, whoa, you are, it's just, it's not, it's not sustainable. I mean, you know, I use a couple of different grills because there's a bunch of, you know, now there are people in camps out there. You've got pellet smokers, you've got Kamado smokers, you've got offset smokers, you know, you have people that. Weber, the whole, the kettle drums. I mean, you got a whole bunch of different things. So for me, if I'm going to approach, you know, this year I've started cooking on, or, or late last year I began cooking on a Traeger just because there's so many people cooking on a Traeger. On this podcast. <laughs> I, I just wanted to make sure that I wasn't losing some of the audience. I mean, but yeah. when I'm cooking every day, it's out there on the big green egg. And, and then I just bought, like we were talking about at the top of this call, I just bought a giant 250-gallon offset smoker um, that I'm going to start teaching myself how to use a stick burner. And that will be the thing I'm most likely on all the time going forward. It's just – it's it's it, – I'm going to share my journey with the people that I'm sharing it with because it's my journey, not because somebody is telling me to to go out and to do this. And I think I think that's going to be cool to watch to watch you start cooking on a stick burner and and sharing your journey, your hardships, um, because when you share the hardships and you show, I, I I like to show the bad days. You know what I mean? Like I don't want you to think it's all you know flowers and sunsets. It's not. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like right. sunshine and rainbows. It's not. It, it it's really not. You need to show people. Listen, I failed. It sucked. The food sucked. It looked pretty in the picture. <laughs> it did. And, 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 right, yeah. Well, I mean, I cooked this duck. My neighbor, a friend of his, went hunting last weekend and got a fresh duck and cleaned it and brought it to him. And he's like, I don't know what to do with it. You do something with it. And I thought it was going to be cleaned up duck breast, and I was going to cook the duck breast. And I opened it up tonight, and I was going to smoke the corn. 
It was a whole duck. I was like, I never cooked a whole duck. So I, you know, asked people on Instagram and Rusty Duckworth reached out and said, here's how I would do it. And I went in and I did it. And, you know, it looked great in the final result. But, I mean, the duck was an actual wild duck that wasn't fed a bunch of corn and grain. So it wasn't all super fat and thick with the big, thick meat. And it's just a was really it looked beautiful but it was just dry and not very good on the inside and and so on one hand i was like this looks beautiful the skin is crispy but when i ate into it i was like Ugh, i'm not gonna post any more pictures because it's not happening so it does happen but that's how you learn i mean once you get past the fear of failure that's when the sky's the limit you, yeah. you have to get past messing up and beating yourself up to the point of where it's not producing anything positive, but to learn that is motivation to do it again and to get better. Like right now, all I want to do is cook another fresh duck. Probably won't get my hands on one soon, but that's what I want to do because I'm thinking now constantly in the background, even on this call, what didn't I do? What could I have done? What would have made this better? And, and to me, that's, that's, that's how and where I get better. And I, I mean, that's how you grow. Right, yep. you don't grow in your in your comfort zone. It just right. doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. Chris, dude, I want to say thank you so much for coming on the podcast, hanging out with us, chatting barbecue, bro. I'm having a killer time. Um, but we're coming up to a little bit over an hour mark, uh, which is where we like to wrap things up. I'm pretty sure people are sick of hearing my voice. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but man, I know uh, they are mine. So I like. To, I kind of. I'm kind of morphed into using this as my as my closer because i i really enjoy this question if you could go back to the beginning of your cooking and give yourself three tips to help shorten your learning curve what would they be and i think this is a very appropriate question for you yeah it's a great question actually and one that i've redoubled i started out as the barbecue buddha because i was cooking on a, a big green egg and and on you know a barbecue pit um but I did everything else but classic barbecue. So I was learning how to use the environment. But what I wasn't doing is teaching myself the basics. And what I've learned in almost any any medium, whether it's art or music or cooking, or you fill in the blank, learning the basics and, and the fundamentals is the most important thing you could do because that allows you to get creative and to really uh, to, to do fusion stuff like we talked about earlier. Yep. So for me, um, if I had advice to give myself is to do exactly what I've been doing lately, which is um, uh, uh, focus on mastering ribs, mastering brisket, mastering pulled pork, mastering chicken, mastering the things that make great barbecue, and then start to iterate and put your own spin on it. And uh, that's what I've been doing the last year and a half. And that's the advice I would give to myself many years ago and to any new barbecue cook uh, is to master the basics, the classics. It's true. You've got to know the rules before you can break them. Uh, that's exactly right. So, man, if you can do me a favor, tell everyone where they can follow your journey online. So you can find me on the Internet at www.thebarbecuebuddha.com. Dot com. That's T-H-E-B-B-Q-B-U-D-D-H-A dot com. You can find me on Instagram at, at the underscore BBQ underscore Buddha. Uh, and those are, you can find me on Facebook. It's easy after those first two things. And I also do a little bit of Twitter. And coming soon, I'll be doing YouTube stuff. I'm following your footsteps, Mikey. I'm going to start showing my face a little bit more and doing videos outside of Instagram. I just hope people actually like my videos. We'll see where we go with that. Um, so. <laughs> I loved your first one. I'm ready for the next. Woo! There we go, Good. buddy. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming on, and uh, we will definitely have to chat soon. All right, dude. I uh, look forward to seeing you next time I'm up in Chi-Town. <laughs>